Last time we learned the foundations, and in this episode, we'll hear from Adam Navis about how these technologies can be implemented in real-life examples. The MedTech experts will have their questions from last episode answered and break down how to implement AR, VR, and XR into MedTech. All this and more on today's episode of the MedTech Business Academy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of our podcast focused on augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality. Uh, on today's podcast, we have our med tech expert panel of Tom Hickey and Scott Alexander joining us, and we we'll also have the pleasure of being joined by Adam Navis from MindSpring. Um, in our last podcast, or part one, we covered kind of the definitions of what AR, VR, and XR mean. Again, augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality, and rather than belabor the point here, we 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 highly advise you to go back there and check that out uh, in case you're jumping around, trying to get right to the end, never do that. Try to read the first couple chapters first to get it. Everybody's curious, but make sure you read the, listen to the first part of it. Um, and then we talk about how this form of technology, the AR, VR, and XR is really an evolution in the practice of communication and education uh, and it's not a new thought. It's just an evolutionary process. And I thought Adam did a really good job of showcasing that timeline and how we arrived and how it's just a natural part of evolution of communication rather than being something that's so intimidating because we know that uh, uh, many people across industry and, and in our audience, when you say those those terms, it becomes something that seems like so esoteric, so large, yet they they aren't really able to understand. But if you do see it as just another form of communication, I think it makes it easier to grasp. For today's episode, we're going to start off with just uh, some of the opening or some of the final questions that the panel had. Uh, we've given Adam plenty of time to go and Google the answers to. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he's had an opportunity to get those and pawn them off as his own. Uh, so Adam, hopefully you can do that well. Um, and then more importantly, uh, we're going to be going over some case studies. Uh, that uh, Adam and the MindSpring team have successfully, and these aren't just case studies taken in hypotheticals. These are case studies based on activities and events and, and uh, practices that they've actually performed for clients across a multitude of industries. And we're going to take some of that case study information and really try to present the point as to the value it presents to the med tech community. So with that, um, I'm going to get started, and Adam, we're just going to go right into some of the questions, if that's all right with you. That is great. Let's do it. Okay. So the first question, and it was kind of a amalgamation of a couple questions that came out at the end, was just, what are some of the triggers that you would see? Again, we talk about evolution, but what are some of the triggers that you would see that would cause a med tech company to possibly start to look into uh, pursuing a technology platform such as these? Yeah, I think my kind of quick answer uh, rule of thumb would be if it, if it meets one of three criteria. The first is that old, I know it's kind of somewhat debunked, but that whole 10,000 hour rule. If you're looking at a process or a procedure that you're going to have to do a, a number of times to get good at, then consider maybe a virtual reality solution where you can reduce the amount of times you're actually doing that, or you can kind of do reps 
if you got to do a lot of reps to get good at something, a, a virtual or digital solution is a great option. If you have a small margin of error, which means you could have a high, that margin of error could be dollars. Uh, it could be harm to a person. It could be uh, cost to breaking a machine or something like that. So if there's a small margin of error in any direction, doing it virtually is a great way of, again, getting those reps because you don't want to get your reps when there's a low margin of error. Uh, and then finally, I would say if you have, if you are working with a product or in an industry where there is a very niche specialization across, I mean, I've seen this across industry, people are getting older, we are losing expertise. There's an industry where like new employees are not replacing people as fast and we're losing expert knowledge. Getting a digital or capturing that information, and we'll get to this in the first example, uh, how you capture that information and, and duplicate it, not just uh, in time, but that kind of, that can live beyond even the lifespan of the employee and really add value. So those are my, th my three things. If it takes a long time, small margin of error, uh, niche specialization. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's especially highlighted in this day and age, right? In, in in our industry and across all of healthcare, not that it's not happening in other industries, but when there's so much of a, uh, of a small margin because of the challenges with labor, right? That 10,000 hours, we're not able to gain that proficiency. Um, and we are not paying any royalties to Malcolm Gladwell for that shout out. I don't <laughs> labor. Uh, allows us to get away from any any royalty payment regarding that, but you know it's just so challenging to develop that proficiency um, as efficiently as it was in the past. So I think that's a great point that you draw out. Um, any any thoughts, Tom and Scott? I mean, I I think that this is everything that you just described, Adam. Is our is our industry right? When you think about the fact that. Um, it, it takes a long time to become proficient on certain things, whether it's the use of a certain device or a surgical procedure or a way to treat a certain patient. Um, certainly true. As we think about margins for error, I could think about countless situations where you only get to do it one time and being able to do that one time 50 times would be fantastically valuable. Um, and then, you no, know, Skinner, I think your point about training is crucially important. I mean, if we, Look at the number of, let's just take nurses, right? The number of nurses who've retired since 2020, right? They are, that, that number is far surpassing the number of folks coming in. And there's a, a knowledge gap that it takes to go through to be able to get uh, a, a nurse, a cardiovascular uh, floor nurse up to speed. So what would it be like to be able to put them in a training scenario where they can see all the things they need to see in an abbreviated period of time and be able to reflect on that with a more senior uh, member of the team to say, hey, you should have done this or what about that and, and expedite that learning. I can absolutely see opportunities for that. But Tom, yeah. I talked in front of you. I was quick. Go ahead. Your turn. Uh, no, that's that's uh, just to build on that. I think you raised some really good points. Uh, a couple of things that I wanted to maybe uh, supplement with, and that's, um, you know, to your point on labor, it's also very difficult if you're trying to bring a new technology into a clinical setting how do you train on that, right? To try to get a massive amount of time, right? In a classroom setting or a clinical setting to try to train people, you get, you know, you're lucky if you get, you know, five or six people there for a half an hour. 
usually somebody, you know, his phone gone off or they're getting called to this or called to that. And to get that continuity of training and that continuity of attention is really difficult. The other point, uh, and I think you brought up a good one, Scott, with a, a number of clinicians retiring, especially nurses. Um, about uh, 15, 20 years ago, I was on the national board of the American Association of Critical Care Nurses. And at that point, they were already calling attention to the number of PhD nurses that were retiring. They were ahead of just the general population of nurses. So you're losing the ability to train the trainers, right? So there's a whole nother category, right, that this is relevant. And so I think uh, I think there's some really uh, interesting and challenges ahead in terms of coming back to that repository of information. Yeah. Tom, you, you have some great insight. I have to tell you, Scott's answer just sounded more intelligent. I, I'm having a problem trying to decipher if that's just because he's wearing a sport coat today. Uh, <laughs> our, our audience can't see this, but the sport coat is doing wondrous things for the level of intelligence today, Scott. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I do what I can. Yeah, normally I'm in overalls and like have a straw hat on. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't have shoes on, which is fairly consistent for, for me. <laughs> Um, yeah, nice. yeah uh, Tom, I want to pick up on uh, something you said, uh, because the, the first case data I want to talk about um, really dives into um, that transfer of knowledge. And if, if we can, if we can just go into that, I would love to just kind of talk about that. Yeah, let's and, do it. Um, sure. We had a client uh, a, a come to a, someone, potential client at the time before they were a client and had this problem. It's a, it was a manufacturer of Paper folding machines. Now, I love finding about out about worlds in worlds that I you never know of. Like, so there's a company that makes machines that fold like paper towels that you'd pull out of, you know, and there are other companies who buy those machines to make the paper towels. But the and these machines are massive. I mean, they fill rooms. They're they're like multiple components, often the size of cars. That depending on what what kind of paper towel is it a roll is it trifold bifold you you kind of put these different modules together and then you have your your machine right so very niche and very complicated so now we're hitting two of our two of our criteria and they said hey usually our practice was when we sell one of these machines for many hundreds of thousands of dollars we have to send our subject matter experts who there are only a couple of them on site for four to six months to train someone in how to use this machine. So you have costs, not only of your, your experts time, but you have, you have to, you have to house them, give them food stipends and all the, the travel. And there's not a lot of people who want to leave their family or their home for that amount of time, live in a hotel for four months. No, thank you. So they said, okay, help us, help us solve this problem. And we said, okay, well, first thing we're going to do is we're going to try to capture that expert's knowledge. And we didn't do that by sitting across a conference table. We didn't even do that by a whiteboard. What we, what we did is we said, okay, put on this Microsoft HoloLens, which has a camera in it, and go through all your procedures. We're going to hit record, and we're going to capture video, first-person perspective videos of all of those things. Now, that was great because we had the the kind of, you, you know how, you, you know, you say, oh, I did this and this and this. But when you actually do it, you actually realize, oh, I actually did it a different way. Mm-hmm. So we had we had video for that that could help us structure what we wanted to communicate. But we also had resources. 
that we could then build into, we could put those videos back into the training itself. So what we, what we did is we took the CAD files for the, all these machines and we created, we animated them. We, um, we created this whole digital twin of the entire process that was animated step by step that we could give to someone and they could put on a headset in a empty, say a big empty room. They could drop a virtual version of this entire machine structure to be trained on step one, step two, step three, with arrows that turned, with um, points of troubleshooting, of watching the process go from the beginning all the way through the end so they could start to understand what is this uh, and how they could do it from the, even if they didn't understand, you know, because uh, they haven't even seen the machine yet. Uh, this this reduced the amount of time uh, to train. This uh, reduced the amount of time uh, the machine itself had to be down. Downtime in manufacturing is everything, right? So if you had to turn a machine off, you're starting the clock on on your dollars just going down, 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 down. And um, and that was it was really uh, to 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 know the consistency of information that that whoever was getting this training, this is where you talk about consistency of training, was getting the expert, expert source material, the best training you could get was done by was already captured. And then the, the, here's here's where the really powerful experience that happened. So someone came in, they put on this headset into a, an empty room, they they go through the steps, they learn the procedure working through it. What it'll, what the hardware then does is when they go into to work on this machine, that digital version that we've already created and they already know uses the cameras and the sensors in the hardware to lock on to the actual machine. So now you have a layer of all those steps. So that, that handle you, you just turned virtually lines up with the handle you actually have to turn. And it allows you to follow the process of of all the way through the machinery, step by step, um, so that when it came time to sell another machine, this company was able to preload a hardware package, a, a headset that they gave to the machine or they gave with the machine so that they could say, hey, you, you invested this, you, you, you put this on someone else could come on because it helps them not send that expert on the field. Mm -hmm. But it also helped the person buying it to know that even if their trainer left, they still had the headset. They still captured that and they could, they could put it on, they could match it up and they could still, even with no training, they were able to troubleshoot if a machine went down because they were able to to just see what they needed to do, how to open the door, the procedure of changing a spindle or replacing a gear or a lever or something like that um, in order to reduce their machine downtime. And I think that is something that is super, it's kind of like a, uh, where you used to might have, used to might have a uh, paper manual. You have this wearable interactive manual that is a really, um, it helps in onboarding, uh, it helps, and and you could even send updated procedures um, through the cloud. 
through the cloud. Or, I mean, huh. it's a little more complicated than that, but you'd have to alert people like, hey, update your software or your programming um, to make sure that the manufacturer is connecting the um, the data, the latest, greatest data with the hardware. So that that little case study captures a lot of what I think is really powerful about an augmented reality experience and training. Um, now that, that was obviously paper folding. I don't know if that triggers things in your, your brain or how that would apply, uh, to the med tech industry. I'm, I'm excited to hear. Uh, I know I just Tom, two questions. Go ahead. I, well, I was going to say Tom is a, a expert, uh, origami folder. So I don't know. He's buying one of those machines now, but you, you were writing some notes down. What are you, what are you thinking there? Yeah, well, you know, in terms of that, I, I remember the letter folders. I'm that old where, you know, where you take the one sheet of paper and put it in an envelope. So, but having said that, I mean, it, I was struck by the downtime, right? Because mm-hmm. in um, our world, in the med tech world, we have a lot of mechanical, electrical data types of interfaces. And, and one of the notes I took was I'm thinking about anesthesia machines that are amazingly expensive, rightly so, because they've got life support, they put patients uh, to sleep, hopefully bring them back, um, and then and record all of these events. So, you know, they're, they're high five figures, low six figures in terms of getting one of these. So you don't have a lot of extras laying around, right, when you've got an OR, but they're also extremely complex to fix, Right. So you've got highly specialized technicians that are it will come in and, and help to do all the preventative maintenance. You know, if something breaks, you've got to make sure you, you can get them fixed and then certified because obviously uh, you, you want that machine to be within specs and operating at the, the best that it can. So I was just thinking about applications like that. And then also complex surgeries, because when I was a, a young punk sales rep, I remember sitting in an OR lounge once and there was a neurosurgeon looking at a um, anatomy book and reading right before <laughs> procedure. And, you know, at first I was like, wow, look at that. It, however, you know, he, he kind of noticed me looking at him and he said, I've got a procedure that's coming up that's very complex, and it's something that we don't do very often, right? I, I do maybe one or two of these a year, so I'm just reviewing my game plan before I walk into the OR, right, where, you know, fortunately, he had the book there, he had the reference materials, <clears throat> but here's another application, right, for complex procedures that a clinician doesn't do every day. However, we they're still required and there's something that needs to get done. So there's, I think, a lot of just terrific applications here. Scott? I I was thinking about a lot of applications. Again, um, well, one of the big projects we did when I was at Medtronic running commercial innovations was building a platform for getting an answer to a to any any device related question in 60 seconds or less. That was what the, the vision of the project was. And essentially what we did was we took all the training videos that existed and, and cut them up in little snippets and had a really good front end um, search function. So you could, you know, you could index these things really well. And what we found was it was extremely helpful, not only in addressing training issues, because, because here's, you know, Medtronic, we were going through a lot of conversions against Ethicon or J and, you know, J and J and, um, 
one of the things that we found would be a ruiner of a conversion is a one bad case. So if we're going in, we're trying to get them to convert staplers from Ethicon to us. Um, Becky, the circulating nurse, would have an issue Friday night at 2 a.m. and a trauma case. And then that became a thing because Dr. Smith got frustrated and then people hurt. And it just like these, it would unwind the entire conversion opportunity. So we built this tool to try and address that. And what we found was, was kind of two things. Number one, uh, people used it way less often than you would think. Um, but number two, it gave people peace of mind. And so I think about this, if anyone has a conversion-based business, right? You've got to win the whole hospital or you're not winning at all. This would be a perfect application for um, VR, even if just for the cool factor of people who, I mean, we're still early day, early enough on in, um, in VR days that like, it'd be cool. Like I would want to be able to get trained on a device uh, using VR or AR. Um, and so I think that there's definitely an opportunity there. The other thing that I thought about was another project when I was running innovation there uh, at, at Medtronic in the surgical business is our applications like surgical room turnover. So it's funny if you ever go to just a little fact for you, you ever go to a, um, a periop director, of periop VP of periop, and you ask them, how long does it take to turn a room over? They're like 15 minutes tops. No, the answer is like 45 to an hour. And, um, and it's because you don't have the staff ready. You don't have clear SOPs that people follow and execute on. And so I just imagine an application where your cleaning staff is going to have AR on it and they can find exactly where things are. Or during a case, if you're looking for something, getting a sterile core, like being able to find that stuff, hmm. just the minutes that you could save can make a significant outcome, a difference in outcomes for, um, for patients and for the overall profitability of the hospital system. That's, that's great. Yeah. 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 And that, that actually brings up, uh, in a, a kind of another thing I wanted to talk about both when, cause you know, I think in our first conversation, our last podcast, we didn't really dive deep into like ROI. And so since then I've been really thinking about how do we talk about ROI? Cause it's a lot of times we think about it as dollars in and dollars out, but, um, so we had an, we had a client come to us and this is, a, it, it's a medical company, um, but they had a complex labeling machine. So these are, these creates labels through a, a series of spindles that go back and forth that pr- create labels for thing, things like vaccines or uh, different kinds of things that need to be done in a very precise way with dosages and et cetera. Um, so they told us one woman knew how to set up this machine. And we were like, Okay. <laughs> and I, so we did a, a similar kind of step-by-step training to the point where someone could put on a headset and fix this because this woman was either getting calls and she was not happy because she's like, you guys got to hire somebody, but it wasn't really what she wanted to do. Or, and it was a machine that didn't have to run all the time, but it, when it did have to run. So when you talk about anesthesia machines or when you talk about other things, I think there's an ROI as like, dollars in dollars out but i think in the again when it's a low margin of error industry which i can't there's med tech is probably on the top three of you know maybe (laughs) maybe nuclear science would be above but um (laughs) you can't make errors there's a roi of inaction 
right? You buy a big machine, an anesthesia machine, you think, ah, it'll be fine. And it is fine most of the time, right? You're buying from manufacturers who know how to make their stuff or they'd go out of business. And yet, like when you talk about that peace of mind, when you talk about um, what happens when this woman wants to take a vacation, what happens, how do you use technology to fill the gaps? I don't think, I don't think VR, AR, all these things are going to replace training and onboarding. They're not going to replace troubleshooting. They're not going to replace the hands that we all, you know, that we need to use, but they are going to fill gaps and they are going to have a, a maybe return on investment is not the, I'm sure there's some industry term for like safeguarding uh, your, 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 that peace of mind that, you know, yeah, it's sexy. Yeah, we have it. But when it goes south, we, it's, it's super valuable to have. Yeah, 100%. Tom, you've got something to say. Yeah, I was just going to mention, you know, I, I like that because I'm, I'm thinking about Scott's earlier example when you've got a, a massive conversion, right? You've got, you know, 12, I, you know, 12 uh, institutions within an IDN and you're sending in a team from a compliance standpoint and a checkoff standpoint, right? How do you know that your uh, person that's doing in-service at one facility is exactly the same as the in-service going on at the third facility, right? Or, you know, if you've done, you know, 50 in-services over a, a day and a half, how do you know that the first one is the same as the last one? I think I touched on that last time. So mm-hmm. I, I see that as a huge application here just from a compliance standpoint to make sure that the message was consistent all the way across that full training experience. Yeah. Adam, I, I'd like to delve into that ROI idea just a little bit further. Um, can you provide, you know, obviously don't expect you to give an exact dollar amount, but what was the build for the cost of that? And and let's, I'm going to ask you that in two parts. I want to know how much a hollow lens is roughly per unit. And then what did it cost to build that module that program overall for the labeling machine you're talking about uh, for the uh coming the labeling machine yeah. and or the uh the the uh tom's origami yeah. folding device um so there are uh a hollow lens there's there's new ones coming out and there's a new uh i think another version came out it costs between depending on 3500 to 4 4500 for a headset um, they, I, I can answer how much it did take to cost. And so you guys can, you guys can make this, uh, in the med tech, you'll understand. You, you can do it within a, let's call it within a 10, $20,000 range. Oh, totally. Right? I I'm just saying right. when we started to do that a few years ago, it cost us a lot more than it would take us to do now. Do it in today's dollars. How about we do it in today's dollars? Today's dollars, uh, a, a training. If we were going to take, let's say we, we are going to take a single machine, right? about the size of a uh, refrigerator. And we're going to say, we we want to create a step-by-step scan of that with, uh, you know, 10 steps to it. Um, that could run anywhere from 20 to 50,000. So let's say you bought five of those lenses and you said 2,500 to 3,500? Yeah, 35. To, well, let's just say 4,000. All right, so four thousand. So if you bought five of those, that's twenty grand. So all in, you're looking at anywhere between forty and seventy. Even if we push that up, eighty to a hundred, somewhere around there. Yeah, and that is a one-time expense. 
essentially. Uh, there's some I, minimal. There's some minimal ongoing hosting costs, but that's the big bite. Yep. But it's not going to drive up, or we're not talking about driving up the cost another fifty percent. We're talking about driving up the expenses maybe another ten percent or so. Yeah. Um. So based on that, if you factor in, and that's a one-time essentially sunk cost as we've talked about it, as opposed to what it took. Conditionally, what you reference is they would send somebody in there for weeks at a time. Yeah, months. Yeah. Okay, if not months. So the cost of that endeavor was probably, let's call that twenty, thirty thousand dollars. If you factor in their their uh, their salary and oh, labor, yeah. right? So doing that over the course of two, three times, you are at a ROI break even. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. On the outlay. Because that guy's well, not making minimum wage, right? Like, right, right, right. <laughs> well, and what's what's really what's really great about this is we've found a lot of clients who come to us and say, "Hey, we we want to create, um, you know, a an experience in this, let's say, an OR, right?" So mm-hmm. we'll be like, "Okay, we can scan that OR," and they're like, "We want you to do the here's we have our maintenance team. We want to we want to train. We want to create a step by step procedure about you know turning over an operating room." Well, okay, so we would go in and we would get a scan of that operating room and we would figure out where that thing is. We could create a virtual environment. Um, but once you have that scan, you can you, we can actually um you could actually get a a license to create your own materials to create or you could have us create another experience on top of that. It's it's different than creating hardware that you need to Okay, you do this once. Once you've once you've done the big lift, it gets a lot easier to create other trainings. You could say, uh, okay, we we're gonna have um, you know, how do we do a deep clean? How do we do uh, you know, how I don't know what else happens in ORs, but once you have that, you can create um different experiences within that space. Well, and I imagine you could do I mean, we're talking about VR. I, my mind goes to AR where mm-hmm. you're you're doing augmented reality. So you literally have checklists on a – imagine like the Google Glass thing. you got checklists. you got signs and, and arrows. You're – right, as a guy who was in a health system for a number of years, like turnover in the cleaning staff is like rapid, right? And so being able to ensure a quality clean uh, – because you mentioned deep cleans – is – paramount to making sure that we're reducing infection risk, right? Whether you're turning over an OR, you're turning over a patient room, right? There's there's so many applications where that sort of thing, once it's done, you know, Johnny, the new employee wears the Google Glass for two weeks. He's going to be a rock star at understanding how to do these kinds of things. Um, and, and the investment is really minimal. And the downside risk right, of not doing it well is substantial, right? If you get a C. diff, in, right. C. diff infection or uh, other things, that's 50 grand. I mean, you basically covered the the cost of the project if you just avoid one C. diff infection. Yeah, I, 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 the, I've, I get the privilege of having these type of conversations where seeing light bulbs turn on with people and they're like, oh, I have to not, like, I can't not do this because- right. Once once people start to feel comfortable with these kind of um, using, connecting the training, the virtual training with a device or with an experience, and they start to do some of this easy math where you're like, oh, if I can make patient experience better, if I can save, 
if I can bring my, let's say you bring your patient time in a hospital over a year, every patient spends one hour less in the hospital. I'm sure there's a, there's a, someone who's done that kind of calculation. It's more than a dollar. It's more than a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) All of us know that whoever, whoever uh, spent time in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think the key part is what, you know, and I know when we, because again, in our business, we're, we're very involved in the implementation evaluation process. And what we hear from clients a lot of times is they build some of that into their margin, knowing that that is a, a critical part of the sale. Um, and, and in servicing and educating their client base. However, where they lose sight of the dollars and the margins is very rarely does it happen where one time goes perfectly. Very rarely do you hit all the people that you need to hit. Is every surgeon there on the days that you're there? Is every nurse there on every day that you're there? Very rarely is there a situation where there isn't turnover, especially in today's market, right? So whatever you have, and speaking to our audience now, whatever you have baked in, you have not baked in enough. And so that's where you start, you know, at the end of the year, you start going over your numbers. You're like, whoa, wait a second. You know, we are, we hit our sales goal based on that projection. We should have hit this EBITDA. How come that's imbalanced? And it's because of the fact that there is leakage. It's inevitable leakage that you're not accounting for. So when you're looking at investing in a platform like this, and as we've discussed, right, somewhere between 20 and $60,000 as a one-time essential sunk cost, as opposed to, the $20,000 for the one time that you go in, but aren't calculating that ultimately you're going in two, three, four times for one customer, right? This is a replicable technology that isn't just one customer. It's all your customers. And I think that is one of the, you know, we, we do work with a lot of clients doing a lot of custom work, but if we could, we, we, if we could help create a, kind of that same that I started out with that scenario saying like, Hey, you have a thing and now you have a training that, you know, is going to be troubleshooted and you're, you're doing that again and again. It is um, it's, it's the dividends are going to be just almost immeasurable. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, we're, we're, we're kind of at the, uh, the extension of our time. I think it's been a great discussion overall. I know you had more information to share. Um, I, I think it was really helpful, hopefully, at least for me and opening my eyes with that. I know you had a, 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 any other points that you just want to drive home or anything that you didn't get a chance to touch upon real quickly, obviously not in the detail of a case study, but um, anything that you would have liked to just highlight. Yeah. I just would say if anybody's listening to this and you think, uh, what's your next step? What do you want to do? Um, you you want to just just reach out. I think we can put some, you know, an email or or in some way to contact, uh, get get a hold of us, and um, we're happy to have a conversation, right? If you have a specific thing where you want to say, uh, I don't want to, like, just just reach out. We're happy to talk it through. We're happy to, you know, take that take that next conversation. That's all I'll say. Good. Uh, Scott, Tom? I I think it's been a fascinating conversation. We've talked about training, and, and I'm actually thinking about sales process with this as well. Um, I, uh, Adam, how do we get a hold of you? What's your email? Uh, I think uh, we'll make sure that we'll, we'll make sure we have the right, I want to make sure we get the right channel set up, but if we can put it in the notes, we'll do that. And okay. um, 
I, I thought it was Justin Bieber fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, that's your personal one. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. No, I don't want to send my personal. Uh, now you one. now you gave that away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, and, and Tom, along those lines, uh, we are a channel partner for MindSpring. Uh, we're their channel partner in MedTech. Uh, so if there are any questions as it relates from oh, our perfect. MedTech audience to bring any questions for MindSpring and or related to anything related to AR, VR, XR, uh, the Clinician Exchange is where we encourage you to get your perfect. first stop and we'll make sure that we put you in touch with the uh, the experts. Awesome. Excellent. Scott, any uh, final thoughts, questions? Um, yeah, I mean, this is an area that we didn't even uh, go down, but uh, as a marketing guy, I see so many opportunities to use this for like cool marketing. Like if, imagine if you could roll into a surgeon's room and or your know, office, you're like, hey, by the way, you want to try the VR headset and see a, you know, really rare procedure that you don't get to do very often. And by the way, here's our product being used in it. I, I mean, I can only imagine the kind of opportunities for conversations you could have with something like that. So um I'm really intrigued by that application over and above the training piece. I think there's a huge sort of sales and, and, and market growth perspective that we haven't even de- uh, delved into. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, it's there. It's definitely a coolness factor that goes with it. Uh, my final thought is just um, reminding the audience the kind of the key takeaway from this is I know the thought of AR, VR, XR becomes very big but I hope that we've proven it's not that big and it's not that far off that it is within reach. It is tangible. It is something that is palatable to your budgets. It has immediate ROI. It just requires you to look through things with a different lens um, and understanding that from that perspective, this is something that regardless of how old, new, large, small, your organization is, this is something that everybody in our industry could benefit from, should benefit from. And at the end of the day, our, our end goal is to provide better patient care, no matter where you are in this. And if we can provide better patient care through consistency, I think that's a win-win for everybody. So with that, Adam, I want to thank you for being a guest on our two-part series. Thank you very much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll have you on again as more questions come on uh, from our audience. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Terrific. Well, thank you, everybody. Bye. There are many applications of AR, VR, and XR that we learned today, such as the ability to gain efficiency on replicable activities. Utilization for consistent training, especially valuable in light of the critical labor shortage. Unlock potential for sales and marketing growth. Reduce the margin of error on high acuity or high risk activities. And reduce the downtime of your equipment. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the MedTech Business Academy. And we look forward to having you here next time as well.